Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the stock market show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to the Australian Stock Market Show. Once again, we've got a great lineup of viewer questions tonight. Some of them are going to really knock your socks off. They're going to blow you away. So keep those questions coming in and we'll continue to share our thoughts on the market. Our topic for tonight, how will Australia's growing debt bubble affect the stock market? Before we get into the show, if tonight is your first time watching, it's so great to have you with us and thank you for tuning into the show. We look forward to sharing many more evenings with you. We will answer your most burning questions, investing or trading questions. This includes providing an opinion on where your favourite stocks are headed. Each week of the month, we rotate through different markets and share our thoughts on the charts to keep you informed. Remember, our goal of this show is to make your trading or investing journey easier and safer by informing and educating you on the realities of of successful investing and trading, and we hope to make you laugh along the way. Hello, I'm Janine Cox, and joining me tonight is Dale Gillam. I should have said um, the comedian Dale Gillam, and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. You nearly stuffed that one up, didn't you? <laughs> Jeez. I was a bit worried there because you're talking about bubbles and booms and blow-ups and things like that. I'm thinking, what the, where are we going here? Oh, it's just because I've got the topic on, in my mind tonight. There's like blow-ups. I'm like, what the hell, bubbles and blow-ups? Anyway, no, I don't know about you. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. <laughs> it's Tuesday, so it's not Monday. We're over that initial start to the week, which is I know, awesome. I keep hearing this song in my head like, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. I'm like, yeah, it's free. We're getting out. <laughs> We're getting out of lockdown, yay. I feel like being on one of those TV shows, you know, like this, like that. On Flicks, there's a show called Breakout, and, and it's right. like five series, and it takes them seven years to get out of the breakout or something. It's like one day takes about seven months. Well, look, you know? that wasn't the song in my head because it's just going to feel like another day to me because I had Rhonda and the Alien running through my head from well, the ABC. Well, that's what you get for having children anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. But let's get on with the show anyway. But remember, if you have a burning question for us, then you can send your question in um, as an email. But... Don't be shy, have some fun and record a 30-second video of yourself asking the question that's most important to you. Remember to send your questions to info at wealthwithin.com.au. Now moving on, it's the fourth Tuesday in the month and this means, take it away, oh, he's really not enthusiastic about this drum roll. You're the one who started it. I'm excited about getting out. <laughs> I can actually go out and have a coffee outside somewhere. It'd be cool. In a cup, not in a takeaway team. (laughs) Um, We look at world currencies. So let's get into the charts right now, shall we? (laughs) All right. You can see there on the top of the leaders board, I've got Australian dollar versus Hong Kong dollar. Now down 0.58%. So all the currencies are actually in a sea of red for the month at the moment. 
Um, Aussie dollar, I should have told them that at the start. So this is the monthly data, guys. Um, Australian dollar versus US dollar, 0.58. So we're pretty close there with um, the comparison to the Hong Kong, Australian Hong Kong dollar. Australian Singapore dollar, actually we're down 0.95%. And just running down that list, so I'll just head right down. You can see the euro, still a negative one point something. So, so all above basically half a percent right down to 2% at the bottom of the board, Australian dollar versus the Swiss franc there. So not looking, um, you know, hugely positive really, is it? No, but it's for most of the part, it's not looking hugely negative either. And mm. I think the most important figure there is the US dollar. I guess you're, yeah, that's you know, true. Because obviously the RBA meets next Tuesday, Melbourne Cup Day as they do, they meet the first Tuesday of the Well, I guess month. it depends on, you know, if you're trading Aussie US dollars, mm. then that's, that is going to be the important currency for you. But what about if you're... You know, you have business in um, countries like Singapore or in Europe, then, of course, different currencies are going to be important to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's that's really important. And I know a lot of companies, too, will do transactions in the US mm. dollar as well, even if it's with Singapore or something else. And we else. don't think about that, do yeah. we? Because no, we if don't. a company's importing goods from a different country, they've got, mm. to, they've got to think about what are the currency movements doing and be able to lock in contracts and be, you know mindful of the fact that currency can change at any time. Well, I know we talk about those big stocks like your BHPs and your Rios mm. and those ones who deal in US dollars for their commodities that they're, they're mining and they do forward contracts and hedging and, and mm. trying to get a good rate for themselves uh, and to make sure the currency movements don't really affect their stock price too much because obviously every cent the Aussie dollar moves against the US dollar, that could be millions for you for BHP depending on with profit or, or loss, mm. depending on which one I mean, we've moves. actually we've from time to time watched company mm. stock prices and thought, mm. well, why isn't that company price rising? Say, mm. for example, with the gold stocks, there's not moving in alignment to the gold price. Mm. Now, that can be different reasons to do with mines and where they've had shutdowns and problems just in general. But it, it can also be to do with the hedging, that they, the currency exchange and the hedging that they're using. Yeah, I don't think people understand that. I mean, obviously, you've got other companies like mm. Cochlear and ResMed that are big, big overseas revenues, not necessarily just Australian levels, uh, uh, levels of um, they're trading a lot more in US dollars. So that also has an effect. But mm -hmm. obviously, from our point of view, it's a, with interest rates, it's like, well, what are interest rates likely to do? The, the economy is we're in a recession. Mm. So next Tuesday, I don't expect interest rates to go down anymore. They're only down at 0.25 now anyway. So where else are they yeah. going to go? Well, exactly. Um, I think that'd be they silly to move it. Why would they really want to do it anyway? Yeah, and I think probably the part positive is now they're seeing Victoria coming out of it. So they might say, mm. well, let's, it's probably not a need. Let's just see if we can get a kick on. Um, with Victoria opening up and I guess it could reduce the amount of, um, of interest payments that the government are paying back potentially. I don't know if they're looking to um, get borrowings, maybe it affects them in that way and so therefore it could potentially help the Australian economy in more ways than that, than we think yeah, possibly, on the possibly, surface. Yeah, possibly, yeah, but I mean, again, to me, it's, it's you know, if our dollar was down, you know, in the 60 cents against the US dollar, I would suggest they'd probably push it, mm. drop the rate a little bit earlier, but right now I don't think that's that's the case and I think it's looking all right, but... So, you know, so would you hmm. trade currencies yourself? Yeah, I would, but you need to be, like, I don't have the time to do it. And I think that's probably the point is a lot of people trade things they don't have the time for. Mm. So whilst trading a currency to me is the same as trading another anything. You, you know, just want to make a rate, get, I just, get a profit from yeah. the movement in the price. Yeah, I'm just yeah. looking for a profit and the movement in the price. So right now I need to put more work into doing a currency mm. uh, or trading currencies than I do with trading stocks. So I just don't have the time at the moment, but... It's not that hard anyway. Okay. Um, but now we need to get into, or well, before we get into our into our first viewer questions, I want to thank 
everyone who sent an email through to us. We had quite a few up. Uh, a few questions, but first up is a video question Yay, from somebody from exciting. Rob. Oh, it's Rob again. So let's play the video for Rob. Hey, Dale and Janine. Um, I've got a question in regards to CCL. Um, yeah, recently it looks like um, the European um, branch is taking over the Australian branch or buying something out. But um, yeah, interesting how it stepped up after a halt sell. Um, just would like to hear your comments on that. That'd be great. Thank you. Yeah, it was a good question from Rob. I know Coca-Cola Limits had a takeover bid and it's jumped and we'll bring up the charts in, in a few minutes from from um, what happened there. Now, obviously, when a takeover bid happens, you'll often see the stock price jump. Now, Rob did put some stuff on an email to us saying, look, you know, he was looking at a buy before that and he's not in it at the moment. Um, and I think we sort of need to have a little bit of a chat um, about takeover bids and what actually happens there in terms of the stock and, and what people should be doing that. Mm. And I know we've got another question um, that came through on our YouTube channel, also on Coca-Cola, which we want to bring yeah, up exactly. as well. Yeah, exactly. So let's also cover this question. Mm. Um, this was about, um, in terms of Coca-Cola, it was um, yeah, so in Coca -Cola. about trend lines, wasn't it, and whether Coca-Cola had crossed the trend line. Uh, well, the, yeah, the person, I don't actually have, do I have it actually here? I'm trying to look at it. No, I don't think I've got it on here. Have you got it on your script? I don't know. Basically, it was the person owned Coca-Cola shares. He, he said it jumped up 44%. I think it was 44%. Mm. Um, it jumped up. He said I owned it. Normally, he's not having factored um, stocks um, takeovers and everything into his exit strategy. So now he's thinking, well, what do I do? The stock's jumped 44% on me. I've already in it. Yeah. So I've got this profit. And he would be thinking in his mind, do I care? Do I capture that profit? Do I exit now? Do mm. I stay into it? So I think that's a couple of things we need to have a chat about. So let's have a bit of a look at the chart first and then we'll chat, yep. chat about takeovers and those sorts of bids. Look, I mean, from my perspective, mm -hmm. I think it's really sad that we're seeing a lot, we, we continue to see a lot of Australian companies get mm. taken over by international interests. I agree with and that. And once they're launched onto the Australian exchange, you can't really stop that from happening because mm. that's just the nature of what the stock markets are about. But I just think that, you know, I'm going to really dislike seeing, walking down the aisle of the supermarket and then looking at Coca-Cola and thinking well, it's not an Aussie company anymore. Well, it never was. Coca-Cola's um, No, but the yeah. Coca-Cola Amatool is because it's listed Correct. on the exchange. So mm. that's, and they've got the licence to actually um, manufacture and bottle the, the soft drinks for Coca-Cola in the mm. US. So I just thought that was a great, like, even though Coca-Cola, some people might disagree, whether you think the sugary drinks are great or whether they're bad, whatever mm. you think, that's sort of not my point here. It's just more about another Australian company going to another, to an overseas interest. And mm. They're saying we can see there on the chart that it's a fourteen point five percent increase in the in the price from when it actually closed last week to when it opened this week. Yep. Now we've looked at this chart and Coca Cola, according to our analysis, was forming a pattern where it was more likely to decline. Okay. Yep. So I think that from a shareholder's point of view, as a comment, I think this is a good price. Yep where it's trading at right now, because I just saw Coca-Cola and thought this thing potentially could go south after COVID. And that was a pattern point of view. But 
there is no future if it gets taken over. You know, obviously mm. the chart's not going to unfold and that's the end of it. And sometimes when stocks get taken over, you often think, well, okay, this is how the stock's likely to unfold. And then all of a sudden it gets taken over yeah. and it changes the game a bit. Well, it also depends on the, the takeover price yeah. of it. So, you know, and if they're not going to be another bid coming in, mm. then um, a lot of them will say, well, here's the takeover price, it's X cents. And we're not bidding any higher. And if the board says, yeah, that's fine, we're going to accept that, then yep. you might as well just get out rather than wait whatever the length of time is to get it taken over, unless you want to own shares in the new company. Yeah, I um, thought, I thought the, the board that were running, are running Coca-Cola mm -hmm. are actually making some great mm -hmm. moves into international markets. And I th thought that, yeah, they're, they're looking at going into different areas. And I, I just really thought that potentially they were going to do some more great things for Coca-Cola mm -hmm. down the track. Um, but Coca-Cola is a very volatile stock and it's a more medium um, risk or potentially mm. medium heading into higher from a volatility point of view. But it does trend at times. It's not a stock that you buy and hold for yeah. sure. So, so it's not a buy? It's not a buy. Not a buy. You, if you're buy, trying to buy stocks now after an announcement, that's just yeah. not a good idea because but you don't know. You, you're really hugely speculating that someone else is going to come in and take over. Yeah. So it's more so if you're holding it, then, you know, it's, it's looking at your exit strategy. Mm. And either you've got a choice, wait for a further announcement, uh, mm -hmm. wait for the board to say, yes, we're going to accept it or no, and just check to see where the price is in relation to what the offer is. Mm. If it's trading at a premium to that, then it could drop right? Yep. When, if they accept it. If it's trading below, um, sometimes it, the price will sit there and it could be just at a round or below. Um, then you might decide to take it. Now, off, sometimes they'll put a sweetener in there, getting the shareholders to hang on to the stock all the way until mm. the takeover, and they might offer them a, a dividend or something at the end of it. Yep. But you really have to work out whether that's worth holding on to mm. the stock for that because the deal might not go ahead. That's the risk you Correct. take with mm. doing this. So, Good But also the that. other side is if, the, if you're selling the stock, then potentially, I don't know how this works exactly from the back end of the market point of view, but you're probably handing the stock to them. Do you know mm. what I mean? by creating more liquidity in that yeah. share. So, yeah. yeah, it's a sad thing anyway from my point of view. But okay. if you're holding the stock, great. Mm. All right, well, that's the next question. I think All you're right. up, actually. I'm up. Okay, this is the first email question that we have, and it's from Alfred. Do you consider investors in the stock market are fairly treated by the ASX with their tolerance of robot trading? Now, that's interesting, oh, isn't it? Good question, isn't it? You can answer this one, I reckon, better than me. I... Oh, look, I think this robot trading is a crock of CRAP. It, it's, I, look, it, it is fair, it's legal and everything else, but you know, I'm so much against things like this whole high-frequency trading and all that sort of stuff, and you can have all these arguments that it creates liquidity on the market. All it's creating is a whole lot of money for the big end of town. And uh, um, just because it's legal to do it doesn't mean you should be doing it. And the big end of town are paying money to politicians to allow them to do this sort of stuff and change laws and regulations. And I think this is coming. We're following America too much and we see the absolute crap that America is in at the moment. I mean, we've seen JP Morgan come out after eight years of doing dumb, bad things. They just get a slap on the wrist. You know, and the SEC in America, let them get away with it for eight years. And then only last week, it was another company, um, um, I think it was Morgan Stanley. I think I was talking about it with Jim yesterday. There, there's $1.6 billion gone in missing. Look, so I'm sure speak. the SEC would pull them up if they, could, if they had proof. It's just the transparency might be tough yeah. to prove. 
But look, I mean, you and I, Dale and I were looking at some data recently and we went back to the 87 crash, right? And Mm. and we were looking at what's happened in terms of volatility of markets from then until now. And the biggest, you remember those biggest one day moves that we saw? So what we're thinking, and this is what we want the, you know, the regulators to really think about is since that happened, a lot of the, a lot mm. of the, those one-day corrections, those big moves where the market fell like anywhere between what seven and ten percent or something in a day, mm. happened since then, and that's when mm. the high-frequency trading really started to take off, isn't it? Yep. So I'm just saying to whoever's listening that that's really something that you you have to consider the data and consider the facts, and this is mm. actually affecting the market. Mm. Um, you know, this argument, like you were saying about it creating liquidity, it's actually creating higher volatility for investors, and now that we've got so much money in super funds, to me in Australia, that needs to be the priority about how to look after that best in Mm. our financial markets, not Mm. serving the industry and creating liquidity for them. Yeah, it's creating it's creating a lot of money for the big end of town. It's not actually creating the stock market's about investing and creating value and wealth. And it's not about what they're doing. And so Janelle and I are really heavily against this just because they can do it doesn't make it um, fair in my book. So uh, is it being run fairly? Yeah, the ASX is there and they'll run it, they run it fairly. Do I do I think it's a big worry for individual investors? No, I don't. I don't think you need to overstress yourself on it. You just need to be aware it happens. And if you've got good rules and good um, processes around how you manage your portfolio and you're buying and selling a stock, it's not really going to affect you much. We just got to accept there's going to be more volatility in our marketplace and stocks will move faster at different times, especially when there's something happening like um, reporting season or an event like COVID, that sort of stuff. Um, and we've just got to put up with that sort of stuff. I'm glad I'm not wearing my red shirt tonight. I know, you'd be going. I'm but just getting hey, a bit hot under geez. the collar. <laughs> Look, well, you're, you're always telling me that I go soft on things, but to me that's, you know, oh, you and no, I are both you're passionate on the same about page. that sort of yeah. stuff, and so am I. To me, I'm for you guys. I'm for the, for the average person on the street, because that's what Janine and I feel we are. Yes, we've got a lot of knowledge, but we're still the average people on the street, and we just don't like the big end of town, what I call raping and pillaging from people, and that's really what we see. It, it is pretty much doing that, so... That's our soft word on it. Um, the next email we've got is from Andrew, and he says, Hi, Dale and Janina. I'm a relative newcomer to your YouTube channel and recently purchased your investment bundle of books. Oh, fantastic. And DVDs. Regarding the Elliott Wave theory, should you consider the effect of an extraordinary event such as COVID-19 as one of the falling waves, or should you disregard this wave in determining the direction of a stock? as most stocks were affected by this event and some have already recovered to pre-COVID prices uh, regards, Andrew. So he picked that up out of one of my DVDs in that mm-hmm. investment pack. So that's out of my Seeds of Wealth DVD. So if you yep. haven't got that and you want to go and learn a little bit about that, pick up that uh, DVD or you can get the investment pack. It's just online. Um, the answer is every single price movement in time, or uh, sorry, every movement in price and time is relative to everything, whether it's Elliott Wave or another type of theory regardless it happened and that's what we need to do Elliott wave is very much what i call a human emotion meter it measures the emotions of the market and it does so in a pattern and it's pattern analysis it's also a form that's fractal geometry if you don't understand fractal geometry you're with most of us because about only 0.01 percent of people actually understand it i think and that's why when we put the mm. material together for mm. people to study mm. we actually broke it down into much more simple yep. terms because you know, the, the, the Bible on this 
um, theories about that thick and it's all on daily charts which just will do your head in and it's not really where you need to be focusing on it. You need to look at it in a different light and be able to read this. So this is not, this is something that we don't mm. give in the diploma course because it, it is an advanced technique. So once mm. you've grasped all the strategies in the diploma course, that's what you then want to go on mm. and do in the, the advanced course. But the, the diploma course actually covers a, a more simple um, theory like that. It's, it's a simple pattern analysis so you can get a really good view of yeah. the big picture. But look, if you're wanting to know more about that, then you must talk to the um, some of our guys, if, you know, and ladies, um, about how you can best learn that information. So that's really... I when The first yeah. time I saw it, I thought, wow, love this stuff. Um, it's so interesting. And, and I'm glad this question was asked because COVID does make it really different. It makes it a challenge. Mm. I was just talking this week to one of our um, traders and about how it's altered the chart on Commonwealth Bank mm -hmm. historically and given a whole new um, perspective on how it could unfold. So yeah. really interesting It's an amazing stuff. theory and it really shows you direct, mm. the direction, strength and length of the direction. So it's brilliant if you get into it, but it can be a big black hole, and I think that's what you're trying to say. I couldn't have learnt it. If yeah. I hadn't have pulled it, if we hadn't have broken it down and put it in the light mm. the way that we did, I couldn't have learnt it properly yeah. from that book. That's yeah, I read the book first and threw it away and then had to learn alleyway and come back to the yeah. book yeah. because it was, it, and it really was uh, pulling it apart. But mm. great questions. The last two questions have been awesome. I love them, so keep them up, guys. Look, the next question we have is from Matthew. Hi, Dale and Janine. I was wondering if you could have a look at cochlear for me. I've been looking to get in, but I'm assuming that European lockdowns will put a hold on elective surgeries. Hmm. So I'm a bit tentative and my prediction is that there may be some volatility soon to arise. So maybe I should wait. What are your thoughts, Matthew? So that's an interesting one on cochlear there. Come on, you're my assistant. You've got to oh, get yeah, this, just, I'm get I'm this just happening. I've just put it on the cochlear, so it's a shame. Keep it dancing, Maria. Okay. <laughs> From that. Okay. Good, so, good question, though. Really good question. Mm -hmm. Really thought-provoking, isn't it? It is, and I think cochlear is, cochlear is one of the best stocks on the marketplace. It really is, and it trends really well. I think a lot of people expected things from cochlear um, with the COVID and everything else. And if we're on the chart, if you can see the big meltdown into uh, that March low there. Yeah. Um, and it's risen quite strongly, actually. It's done a lot better than a lot of other stocks at this point in time. Um, I would expect it to come back in the short term a little bit, but I'm not too worried about this. I think it just yep. really come back to its more, more longer term momentum. If you so look. where would you get concerned about it then? In terms of the upside or the downside? The downside. The downside, I would look, if it starts to go below this sort of level here, below one sort of 190, then I'd start to get pretty concerned with it. But right now, I mean, even that, if you look at the, the actual move of that from where it is around to that 190 is about 15 or 16%, yeah. roughly. So mm -hmm. getting down, if you're getting down to these areas, I'd be considering, you know, that's got further to fall and that would probably go below that March low. But this person's looking at, Possibly. Yeah, their earnings could be hit yeah, drastically from this. And maybe the timing of their, their because they, mm -hmm. they put out an offer not long ago, mm. you know, and maybe the timing of that offer was actually with foresight. Possibly, quite possibly. Mm. I mean, I think it looks pretty good. If you look over on the left-hand side, if we bring that up, that looks really nice, mm -hmm. you know. So yep. to me, it depends on the time frame. Are you looking short-term, medium-term or long-term? If yeah. you're looking more longer-term, then why wouldn't you have a go at this one? Yeah. If you're looking at two, three, four years plus, then you'd probably... Because you want to buy mm. next year's return or the next three years' return. And this is the biggest thing that people don't mm. do is they're looking at what happened to something in the past and not looking forward. And like like the tech stocks in the US, you know, there's a lot of conjecture about what's going on. You've mm. got the, the Fab Five or the big fangy stocks. Yep. They're all reporting on the 29th. 
Now, they've all had their big rises, and so they might come out with some good reports, but it wouldn't surprise me if they all came down because mm. the best time to buy us to sell your stock is when everybody else wants to buy it, and everybody else wants to buy it when they when they've already risen a gazillion percent, mm -hmm. and everything think everything looks rosy. Now that's different to the catch a falling knife scenario that you correct, you, yeah, that you talk about, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but that's exactly what Buffett says to do: buy and. But what we're not doom. we're not saying is when it's falling that you buy it. We're no. just saying once it confirms it started to move yeah, up again. Yeah, so he's saying buy and doom, selling boom. So something yeah. booming start to look at selling it. Right. Whereas this thing's looking all right still at the moment. It's well, not we're definitely booming. not in euphor a euphoric time. I think we should go no. come back. And, and review what euphoria mm. is all about on the market and how far away we think that is yeah. So, at some point. Look, um, um, did you want to mention something? Oh, okay. So uh, we've had a lot of questions from last week about my book. People keep going into the wrong spots about my book and saying, hey, it's costing me 27 or $29 for my book when I said we could get it for free. So They can get you cheaper. They can, you can get me cheaper. I'm free. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> From all of that. If you want to get my copy of my book, How to Beat the Managed Funds by 20%, yes, it's free. You just pay the shipping. And listen very, very carefully. Front page of our website, wealthwithin.com.au. Top of the front page, top left, there's a book, picture of the book. There's a button there. Click on that button. You'll get the special offer and we'll put it out in the mail to you. So that's all you need to do. Okay. Don't go into the shop. Don't go don't anywhere else. Don't let him talk about his book Just anymore. Just on the front page. <laughs> so. I hope you're enjoying the show so I far. I don't want to talk about it anymore either. <laughs> I wish that you had to put it a few inches closer to those other books because the, the guys must have set the set me up today because I put I hit the book and it went down like a domino. The whole lot went down well, on the shelf. you're talking about bubbles and explosions <laughs> in that, that earlier, purpose, so they you? did that anyway. So, <laughs> okay. yeah. Um, I hope you're enjoying the show so far. We're going to get into some stocks. So um, we've got more to come. But before we do that, it's a perfect time to hit that subscribe button and also like the video. All right, we're coming up to the topic now. Oh, topic. It's time we get into the topic, which is, will Australia's growing debt bubble lead to higher stock prices? Should investors be concerned about Australia's growing debt crisis and will this ballooning government debt lead to much higher or much lower stock prices? It can only go one way or the other in theory. Well, maybe it could go sideways. Australian, the Australian federal government is reported to be spending at unprecedented levels in response to the COVID-19 pandemic to stop the economy from heading into a depression. With public debt rising and private debt already considered high compared to global data per capita, is Australia faced with a major challenge to repay this money? Many would have us believe that this is the case. Now, some of you may be concerned about the current level of government debt, depending on what you've been reading. So is the debt really a problem for the Australian economy and will the debt bubble eventually burst and affect your shares? In tonight's show, Dale and Janine, well, we're here to reveal whether the debt bubble is going to impact your favourite stocks. So let's have a look at some of the images that we've got. So you've got one of them up there, which is not the first one. Oh, so you're not, not a good one. secretary today. Sorry, I'm terrible. I'm sacked. I'm going. <laughs> so, but I mean, but it's a good question. I know I get a lot of people asking me about the questions in terms of, hey, or you get comments, people saying, well, we're getting rising debt all the time. I mean, how are we going to pay it off? And people don't understand what the difference between... Um, personal debt or some debt that you might take on as an individual and, and sovereign debt. And, and a lot of people don't understand fair currencies. And I know I've used that term a couple of times on the show over the last sort of four or five months about fair currencies. And I, I really suggest you go and Google 
and go to the Dr. Google or whatever you want to call it, Encyclopedia Google, and just type in fair currencies and understand what a fair currency is and what happened. And basically what you'll find out is that in 1971, I think it was Nixon um, uncoupled the US dollar to the gold standard and that's when fair currency started coming in and that's when governments are starting to borrow a lot of money and the Australian dollar is a fair currency. So start to understand all of that. So. Now, look, that's very good, Dale. Let's take a look at government debt. I had to keep dancing while you were getting the thing up. <laughs> Let's take a look at the government debt. shouldn't be laughing. Um, now, I did find that some stats seem to vary depending on the source. First up, we've included some information extracted from an article on the ABC website. The ABC reported that Australia's net debt position will be approximately 703.2 billion. I guess that's a huge number, so it's okay mm. to have the decimal point for 2020-2021. So that's a net debt to GDP ratio of 36%. Debt will increase to 966.2 billion. Sounds like just a blow me away number, doesn't it? Um, almost to the trillions in 2023-2024 to a net debt to GDP ratio of 43.8%. Now we have a chart from an article on news.com.au website from the Australian Office of Financial Management who look after government debt. And this is the um, the chart here. So it shows can that... I, can I say something before you mm. go into that? Am I allowed yeah. to interrupt a little bit? Of course, yes. I just want to give people a bit of context because mm. you're saying debt to GDP is going to go up to 44% in 22-23, yeah? Yep. Is that what you said? Okay, just to give people some context. 23-24, yeah. yep. The US before COVID was around 55, 56 debt to GDP. Mm -hmm. And there's been massive stimulus packages then. So it's gone up in yep. the US. So during 1940s, you, the, the US was around the 35s and stuff like that around where yeah, we were. Okay. So that went up after that. So GFC pushed theirs up. Mm -hmm. And then obviously COVID's pushed theirs up again. So we're still yep. well under where the US is in terms of jet well, so to GDP. Were, what you're saying is theirs was already super high. And if we Correct. look at the chart here, we can see that ours was really low. In fact, we were in surplus hmm. um, in terms of that number. So we had no debt there. In fact, minus 40 um, in 2007, 2008. But the debt started to, obviously, hmm. to GDP started to increase significantly after that. And particularly around 2018, um, 2019. So the debt level in 2020-2021, as I said before, was 703.2 um, billion. That's what it's forecast to be. But look, you know, people, those numbers look scary, don't they? They do for most people. Mm. Yeah. But look, you know, I guess we've got to consider this in the big picture perspective and what mm. happens on market. So that's what we're going to do further further on along the show. Okay. So. so this is not the first time Australia's debt to GDP ratio has jumped into the 40s. Now, the data also reveals that this ratio reached the highest levels in 1939 to 1946, rising from 40% to over 120%, when the government at the time borrowed huge sums of money to pay for the war. Now, in hindsight, economists have said that the government in the 30s failed to spend fast enough to keep the economy from going into a depression. Now, how interesting is it that our debt to GDP ratio was at the lowest level over the past couple of decades at the time of the GFC in 2008? And again, we have a chart from news.com.au, so we're gonna bring if that I up. Could. Yeah, you can't get it up? No. What are you doing? You're um, not a very good... You can try if you like, but I'm just having difficulty getting it to stay on the... 
Okay. There we go. Okay. You've got it? Okay. Yep. So there's the debt as a percentage of GDP. This was actually, it's a curve going up. So I've, I've got another graph here without the data on it. Um, Have you? But this one, we'll just stick with this one for now because you can see the angle of the curve going up to the right. So prior to that, debt to GDP in Australia was actually was falling. And that happened into the GFC. And we came out of the GFC fairly quickly. But have a think about that because the stock market had a massive fall mm -hmm. in the GFC when the debt as a percentage of GDP was so low, in fact, negative percentage instead of a positive percentage. Mm -hmm. So the debt wasn't increasing, it was decreasing. So um, what we're looking at now is it's as it's gone up, the stock market's gone up. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that that's the case all the time and that's what happens, that because it's not, there's not a specific pattern because you can see that debt to GDP was falling into the, G, into the GFC, but, and we have accelerated away quite steeply from then. Um, so the point here really is that if you're looking at the US as an example that you were talking about before, the US stock market has been one of the strongest that we've seen around the world. Mm. And yet their debt to GDP has been rising and continued to rise and just gone up significantly through COVID again. Yeah. So is it such a bad thing and it, you know, from a stock market point of view? And I don't well, think so. We because, no, we don't. Mm. We, yeah. And I, look, I 100% agree with you because it's now becoming a well-known fact if they have a stimulus package, the US market goes up because yeah. the money ends up in the market mm. and that's really what it's going. So we look after the GFC, US market took off like a rocket. We didn't as much mm -hmm. um, and we struggled for a period of years and obviously the US market COVID took off again. I'm going to the show a chart packages. later of the stock market, mm. particularly the US market and what happened out mm. of the 1930s and 40s, just to give us a bit of perspective. Oh, but I think we better keep going. Okay, so what yep. was the next bit? You're okay, up. so what we need to think about is the comment in the same article on news, uh, news.com.au by a gentleman by the name of Chris Richardson from Deloitte Access Economics and he said, never in the 2000s years of recorded history of interest rates, has it been cheaper for governments to borrow? So that's a really interesting statement. Now, many economists are saying that the government should be borrowing as much as possible now to lock in the lowest possible debt servicing costs. Now, what we mean by that is, is if they can borrow a really cheap rate and the economy gets going, so what happens is, is the government's going to be making more money out of taxes and all sorts of other things coming in, but they're not paying very much on their debt. And that was flipped from years ago mm. where, where our interest bills were so high, but we weren't trying, we were trying to be on that, you know, that, what do they call it, the hamster wheel trying to pay the yeah. debt off mm. and we were struggling. So, But maybe we need to look at it situation. in a different way. That's mm. the thing. So, and mm. what I found really interesting is in the same article, Mark Todd, the head of fixed income at Bank of China said, back in 2018, the Australian government's net interest payments uh, with a net debt to GDP ratio of 19.2% were 15.1 billion. But in 2022-2023, the government's net interest payments um, what with a debt to GDP ratio forecast to be around 43% will be around 2 billion less, according to budget papers. So it's got to be smart, doesn't so it? So it's costing less to have that debt. So this is really, and so put simply, Australia's level of debt's increased, but we're not paying more to fund it. So, so we're going to have more money to stimulate the economy, yeah. get everything going, and mm. then we're going to be paying less for, to, for that privilege. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think about it from a point of view of an individual mm. right now in the current climate with interest rates so low and the mm. cash rates slow and the, in and the debt, the borrowing costs are so low, mm. it kind of makes sense to take advantage of that. But the problem oh, yeah. is that, you know, logically we're, we're, people are 
um, well, it's not logic, it's emotionally, <laughs> people are fearful about mm. doing that in a climate where they could lose their job. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. But then that's where Buffett says, yeah. do things. That's Find right. Find the good investments in, in the doom period and get out there and do it. Because, I mean, it, we, we talk about it with the stock market crashes, you know, when does a crash stop when everybody's mm. finished panicking? Well, that's why I that's like the, the, the theories that we've got with the stop losses and getting mm. out because you, you can always get out. So you know what your downside risk is in mm. that scenario. But mm. Now we could talk about the debt until Christmas and bring mm. up, and we've only that's got eight weeks away. to go. <laughs> Our whole year's just gone, hasn't it? Um, bring up more graphs, but that's really not going to help you make better decisions about your investments. So what should you focus on? Now, stock prices will often rise with high government spending, as we said, mm. um, and this has really been... Um, demonstrated. So you talked about the US philosophy. So this is these are are these boffins who are writing this philosophy in the US, or is this um, you know they're, they're just printing more paper and, and issuing more bonds, aren't they? Well, you've got there's what they call modern money theory. Mm. So if you if you again Google that modern money theory MMT, it's mm -hmm. called modern money. These economists are saying, well, they, with fiat currencies, you can just borrow as much money as you like because a country can't go broke. Yep. So that's their theory. And whilst that's really hard to understand, like an individual can go broke, or well, how come a mm. country? Because the country doesn't have to pay back the debt. Yeah. So where we borrow for a house or whatever else, the bank wants its money back. But that's there's always a downside, though. So mm. if, if the, um, like mm. the, the, the IMF has a reasonable amount of pull on what a country yeah. is doing, and yeah. so does... The rate, so do the ratings agencies or the, 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 those who rate countries. Yeah. Um, so we've got we've had a triple A AAA rating, I think, for a long time. And we still got a good rating. And the, there was talk that we may lose that if they didn't get the budget back into surplus by 2021. Mm. So we're going into 2021 now, and we're in this situation. We could have been, um, you know, looking really nice in terms of a, a surplus, but we're not. So I wonder what the consequences are, and if COVID's just going to allow you know, mean that they will look, overlook it for a period of time. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those, uh, do a survey for finder.com.au mm -hmm. and they asked me about interest rates and they put it into Finder with a few other experts. And one of the questions I got asked yesterday for this month's my take on interest rates and that was with the federal budget that we just had, uh, the, the, the government was there. So the federal budget, they were saying, well, is it, was it enough or, or too much? You know, did they go too far or not enough? And I, I think they really hit the mark on this one, I think. Yeah, you're going to get the people coming out saying, well, it's affected these people. You're always going to get that. But I think from a future point of view of Australia, they've set, they're setting us up to get better economy mm. in the coming one and two and three years. And I think, I still think we're going to come out of this a hell of a lot better than a lot of other companies, countries. Well, look, sorry. Let's take a look at a chart of the Dow going back to the 1930s to get an idea of what occurred when the US government was spending big. Yes. And also thinking about what Dale was saying before about... In the 30s, we were, I think it was 39 to 46, where the um, the debt to GDP ballooned in Australia. So if I just look mm. at this chart now for you and show you that, we come right back here to... Um, Remembering the Dow bottom in 1932. Yeah, so we're coming right back to the 30s there. You can see the bottom there in 32. Mm -hmm. And... Following that period, if, if we say that in Australia, if we say the Australian market tracked the what was going on in the US to a degree, right? Not exactly, we know that, but mm -hmm. to a degree, the major falls on the US market are replicated on our market anyway. Um, so if we look at what happened late 30s into the 40s, the market was falling down. So there was the war scenario. Now, wars always create booms they on do. stock markets. So 
And what happens in wars? Governments spend Big time. a lot, right? And, and so the war becomes an excuse. They've got to spend more, unfortunately. And it's really sad for me to be saying this. That's just not, you know, I'm not comfortable with this at all. But what ends up happening is that after that, we see great booms on stock markets. So the market then took off out of this period in the 40s all the way up here, went sideways for a while and then off it went again. So the debt didn't stop the market from going up is the point that mm. I'm making. So yeah, and it doesn't. It really doesn't stop the market going up. It's a up. financial crisis that causes the, the markets to have corrections. Yeah, well, it does. It's Absolutely, it's a financial crisis or events, mm. which is like COVID is an event-driven but, crash. But, but this is why if you look back in history, mm. these sort of events are not things that correct stock markets. Like it might correct it temporarily, but yep. they're not the things that cause a long-term decline on stock markets because yep. for these very reasons, the governments come back in and they start spending money. Provided the government's spending, this is what I've been saying, what we were both saying as well, provided the government mm. is spending money, they're supporting the economy and we can fund the debt, then we're going to continue to push up in theory. Well, that's the basis of modern money theory. It's just whether something else happens. Like if the if the, if mm. the banks are doing well and the banks are secure going into the next coming years, that's the thing that we've really got to watch, what's mm -hmm. happening in our financial sector, I think. And that's going to happen. Mm. So, you know, to me, the banks the banks are not too big to fail, but they're basically there yeah. um, from that point of view. But modern money theory basically says the government should keep spending money to stimulate and keep jobs mm. as much as they possibly can till that... Till the, eventually end of the SHIT and then as it's coming up then they pull back from supporting the jobs and the stimulus and then they pull the money back later on through yep. taxes and all sorts of other things that they're going to get. So what we've been doing or the government's been doing is exactly that. They've been keeping people in jobs with JobKeeper yep. and all those sorts of things. So keep people in jobs, keep them giving them money until we get to the end because bad times never last and neither so do good times. So what do people focus on for their stocks then? It's all about making sure that you've got the right strategy, mm. that you have stop losses in place that you're picking stocks that are going up rather than ones that are in decline and then using rules like trend lines and other rules that we teach you in our courses to take advantage of the, the next runs mm. when they come. That's really the point of it. Yeah. And just be selective. You don't have to keep buying. You don't have to have a full portfolio at all times. The important thing is to just, to, to, you know, to gradually get back into the market and then start building your portfolio mm. up post-COVID if you haven't already done so. Yeah, I think mm. to me it's don't be fearful of the market right mm. now. And that's the thing is economic recessions and depressions are good for the market because the market goes up because it's doomed. But don't be fearful of the market. Knowledge is the enemy of fear, which is what you were saying. Well, recessions can often drive markets down, yeah. right, for a period, but then it's what happens after We're already that. in a recession, mm. so the only way is... Up. But up. then, you know, we have to consider whether the next few... It depends on how people spend over mm. the, the, you know, into Christmas. If people become McScrooge, like if you become a McScrooge hey, and you don't part with your money... My wife looking forward to the shops this weekend. Then what ends up happening is we could go the other way because the, mm. we could be looking at the recession continuing mm. if people are not spending. I think they will. There's a lot of cash sitting there, a lot of people saving a lot of money from being home. I think Australians are sick and tired. They need to get out there and do things. So okay, I'm that's your big prediction. That's my prediction. Right, now let's get into some more emails. But before we do, remember to hit that subscribe button now. And whilst you're there, give us a big thumbs up and click on the like button. All right, it's over to you. Oh, it's me. I was just having a drink. Sorry, now we have a question from Julia. He says, hi, Janine and Dale. I'm looking at taking a position in SIM as I think there is a trend line entry. Am I correct in my analysis? And what are your thoughts on this stock? Thanks, Julia. So let's go and have a look at Sim. Is there a trend line there, Janine? 
Uh, look, I'm looking at the monthly chart. You may be able to get one down there on the monthly Ooh. chart because there are a few a trendline entry at the moment. points to, to grab there. But look, there may be. I'm... I need to put my glasses on for this one. Hmm? Depends on what you're looking for, whether it's a monthly or weekly chart. Definitely not a trendline entry on a monthly chart. Mm, I'd be doubtful. Only, you couldn't, I don't think you can get a trend line in there, but you might be able to get one across down here, across oh, those bars Come on, there. open up there. Let me go. Often mm. when a stock's in decline, that's often the best time to be having a look mm. at whether you can get trend lines on stocks, and that's the key here. Yeah. <laughs> He's gone off go. track here. I've gone right <laughs> off track. I'm glad it was you and not me. Where are we? Let me, just, let me just put a really... Do I do a drum roll for you? You do can you put need a one? drum roll for me. I think you do. Yeah, look, I... No. Nah. I don't think you got one there. It's really. You can get one in there, can't you? Oh, come yeah, on. Uh, yeah, something like that. Uh, you might even be able to get a steeper yeah. one in there, but yeah, it just depends look, on. I think we're pretty close to it. I think she might be right. So, Julie, you might be right. I think you're pretty close to it. So, right now, I think uh, it's looking all right, I think. But at this point in time, I'd like to see a higher bottom. That I'd like to see this unfold, have at least one week down here, and then come back again and get into it. I think that's probably what I'd be looking at. Yeah, okay. Now, the students mm. might pick you up on something there. but They probably will. You're trying to make it simple for people who haven't been trained in trend lines, I mm. know. I know. All right. So that's Simic. Have you finished that one? You, you know, right. that's probably the first one I've almost I've agreed with on the show. Look, Simic we've talked about on the show before mm. simply because it's being slowly accumulated by mm. the overseas um, yeah. pair, you know, major company, Hotchtiff, I think they're called, the Spanish Hotch company. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I haven't really paid this stock any attention at all because of that, because it just means that over time its liquidity just it's drops liquidity off. Liquidity drops off, yeah, yeah. And then the big institutions aren't necessarily going to be interested in it. But hey, you know, stranger things have happened. So um, we have an email from William. G'day, Dale and Janine. Could you please look at um, WZR? Can you pronounce that for me? Wiser. Wiser. Now, yeah. well, you got to finish the question. Come on. I was just looking to see if I actually posted <laughs> it in here. Um, got to get wiser. It looks like there could be a trendline entry on the weekly soon. Just all these trendline entry people. And you've got something in common with Andrew who wrote to us about the same stock. So we'll cover off both of your questions together. And he's, um, Andrew says, hello, Janine and Dale. Hope you're well. I recently purchased some shares in WZR. Despite its terrible name, the chart is looking good to me. I'd be interested in your opinion. So, okay, we've, we're going to have a look at the two questions. I think so they both get a... Do you want to handle the first one? Neither of them get an elephant stamp for trendline on that one. Okay. <laughs> so Dale's just no. said no. Julia's kicked your butt, guys. She really has. She's kicked your butt. There is no down trendline on go that. Go girls. I can't, I can't say that. So, yeah, go girls. Um, thumbs on up. But... Um, All right, so we're moving on. We, we'll, I'll just, we'll just give a quick opinion then, shall yeah, we, on the stock? give a quick opinion on So to do that, we should always look at the monthly chart. So what are our thoughts on the stock? Really patchy. It's, it's a really patchy, highly yeah. liquid stock, particularly mm. until around 2018. So if we just quickly have a look at the, um, the chart here, we can perhaps put some volume on there and mm. see what the volume looks like. Grab the crosshair, bring that down. We can see around... Uh, what is it saying there? Can you just check that? I've got to put my glasses on now. 30 million, is it down that's there? That's about there. But it's only trading at 22 cents. So is it, we're lot. talking small, um, you know, a small company really. Yeah. Now, in the short term, if the stock starts to push up and we see it get above about 24 and a half cents, then it may actually be on its way again. But the real risk, I guess, is if it starts to go down below this month's bar. The, yeah. um, that's the real concern if it takes out that trough. Look at the there. volume at the early part of this year and look at it where it is now. Mm. It's completely different here. It is. There's no volume in it now. No. 
So you just want to watch that because you could find that if you buy this stock, the mm. volume dries up and then you can't get out at the price that you want. So that's yeah. something to just be mindful of. Do you want to have a quick look at the daily chart? Yeah. I'm surprised you actually asked to go to the daily the, the, chart. Well, I'm just saying, look at that. That looks terrible. Yeah, there's a little gap down there. Is that what you were thinking? Well, I'm not necessarily. No, I'm just looking at the way it's unfolding, and that to me is just not a stock that most people. The majority of people watching this show are investors. Mm. The majority of them are more beginners under 12 months. So we're talking. So you're probably, saying they shouldn't be looking at these types of stocks? Yeah, is what you're basically. That's what I'm saying. To. Is you, mm. you need to have high skills to try and trade this stock, and even then, it's a little bit more hit and miss. And even then, most highly mm. skilled don't look at these ones anyway. No, because mm. you don't need to. Um, Too unreliable, especially in reporting season. You mm. can get you can mislead, and then. The stock can get absolutely caned. It's so, not to say that a bigger stock that couldn't happen, because yeah. we saw Aluka, um, you know, plummet recently, didn't we? Yep. So, but but this stock could get um, sold off quickly, and then you might struggle to get out. But if mm. it does go up, like I said, above twenty four and a half cents, then it could be moving higher. That's yeah. So get wiser by not getting wiser. Is that what you're saying? Something <laughs> yep. like that. All right. Um, now I've, we've got, I've got some, some questions extra here. questions. So we've got some questions. I'm going to read them out at this point in time. So we've got one from Yusuf. So thanks for sending this one in, Yusuf. Um, Yusuf says, thank you, Dale and Janine, for your educational share market show every Tuesday. That's our pleasure. Firstly, commiserations to you, Dale, for your team, Geelong, about winning the grand final. Do I cry now? That's okay. so funny. Look, I was going to say something about that at the start of the show. I actually had thought I should bring a box of tissues in for you. You should have. I was going to bring my hat and my scarf because go Cats. Well, when, um, when the Cats actually lost, I think, did they get to grand final before and lose? Oh, many times. Many times. I think the last time that happened, I actually bought my dad a box of um, Geelong tissues. <laughs> so when I saw him after the game, I said, I think you need these. I think every interstate team won their first grand final against Geelong. Mm. We were that bad some for a while there. But anyway, let me get back to the question. He doesn't want to talk about I it. I don't want to talk about it, guys. So <laughs> go Cats anyway. Um, now, I've got, I know people that play for the Cats. So, I know you love yeah, the Cats. I love the Cats. Now, um, his question is, can you please educate me with your thoughts on Telstra? I bought this stock um, in August. 2018 at $2.85. Um, reason for buying, very honest here, impulsive. I thought the falling knife would not fall further. Um, I was willing to spend this amount at the time and as a discretionary expense. Um, what I want to know is should I sell it off if the price goes down 10% for my purchase price of $2.85? Good question, Yusuf. So so he bought right. it. Um, he bought a falling knife. You can talk. Yeah, first of all, I just wanted to show the monthly yeah. chart for you, the whole history of the chart, to show that this stock has spent more of its time falling in its history than it has rising. Mm. Okay, so that's the first like thing to think, yeah, about when you're looking at a stock, has it actually got a history of trending nicely? And so when, when Yusuf's bought it, he's picked it up in August 2018, um, and this it was this month. So the low was actually 280, so he's picked it up right off that low there, like he was mm. saying. It's not exactly in the falling knife, though. Um, hindsight tells you that it's the start of the next rise that we saw on it. And then before you have a, um, something to say, I just because I wanted to go easy on him at the start and I didn't I'm know whether you would. I'm not going to go hard on him. I think he's a great question. Okay. So it depends exactly when he bought it he's in August. He's a friend of mine. Didn't you know that? Okay. So it depends on where, exactly when in August he bought it. 285, was it? Yep. So he must have bought it right down here. Now, I can see a rule there. Yes. Right. So he's not totally doing something naughty. Correct, but he's admitted he's bought it impulsive without a rule. He's bought it without a rule, but what he doesn't know is there was actually a rule there to buy it, to but buy. you fluked it, mate. Off the bottom. But he doesn't have a rule to sell it. <laughs> That's the problem. Right, so he hasn't had a rule to sell it, so he's ridden it all the way up and down. Now, the shame is that there were actually heaps of rules 
to be able to sell it. You could have used a trend line. You could have used all sorts of rules that we have in our course to be able to, to sell it. Mm. I know that's all good in hindsight and I'm not wanting to sort of, you know, add salt to the wound or anything. But right now, what's going to happen to Telstra, do you think? Well, there, there could be two scenarios in one. And if I get my little thing out of here and get it over. So we've got this low back down here, okay, which is that $2.50. 55 isn't it 255 no it yep. says 260 260 sorry. okay it could go right down to 260 could it um, go through it or could go through it so they're the two scenarios so are they going to go there and bounce and come back again mm -hmm. or it can go through it now often we'll see with a stock that's in a big long-term move down like this one here you might see the first move out of a big long-term move that looks bearish but turns into being bullish yeah so there's a possibility of that. So right now, he's saying, should I sell off if it goes down 10% below his purchase price of 285? And I don't think that's a bad strategy. He's got a strategy. So if it goes below 285, but you need to look at that. If you bought at 285, right now it's at 271. So just look at it. But I would think I would set it below that level. If it got below that level, I would get out of it, as mm. long as you're not losing too much, Yusuf. Well, there's two things to think about, isn't it? One mm. is it could find support just above it. Yep. And if it does and then starts moving up over a number of weeks or months, that could mean the start of a big, big long-term move, long move, move up. But if it if it actually cracks mm. that low, the, you don't know where it's going to go from Correct. there. And that's what you're really saying. But mm. the, the third thinking is that it could actually go through that low and then reverse and come up. It and that, could. you know, that's where traders often get caught, yes. you know, and I can talk from experience there before, you know, in the past. So if a, if the low gets taken out, sometimes you're better off just to take it and get out yep. because of that, because, you know, it could just keep going or it could reverse. But when's it going to reverse? One when's week, two reverse? weeks, three weeks, you know, yep. and how far is it going to fall before it does? Yep. You don't know. Totally agree. Mm. Totally agree. So there's, there's your answer, Yusuf. So next question we've got is from Milo, who Milo sent us a nice little chart, if you want to see that there. He sent us a nice little chart. Um, thank you very much, Milo. He says, whether, um, hi, Jalen Jenny, wonder whether you could have a look at Vocus or VOC with, uh, with a lot of lost ground to make up in August. It broke downward monthly trend that stretched back to May 2019 is now looking like closing October with the third month of consistent and moderate growth. My main concern is whilst trending upwards, the weekly chart may be showing a couple of weeks of trading below my gulp trend line. I think he's like, oops, uh, trend line. Assuming the line is accurate, would this be a reason not to enter the trade or would the third month of higher highs and higher lows still be a good reason to enter? Um, I'm liking if it closes above $4 um, where it has met resistance on a few occasions with support around 280 being too low. I'm thinking a standard 15% stop loss. Um, Trend line. <laughs> Is that your official decision? Yeah, it's not a trend line. <laughs> okay, so let's look at the monthly chart for a start. Mm -hmm. Now, the stock was, was in a long Was that being term. rude? Sorry, was I being rude? Oh. No, sorry, I apologise. If, you, if you're asking me, no, was apologize. the sound rude, I would say you know it is. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Swear jar. All right. Now, if we look at the monthly chart, you can see the decline all the way down there into 2020, mm. right? That's a long-term trend in a decline, you know mm. that. And this could be the start of the trend up, potentially, yep. looking at that chart. So that's the first thing you want to do is go to the monthly chart and work out whether you think the trend is likely to have started. And it looks like this may be the start of the new trend up. Mm. Okay, so that sets the scene then for what you're looking at in here. Now, what Dale's talking about is trend lines, um, but we're, we're looking at the chart now. We can see there it may actually be possible to get a downtrend line in there, at, much finer on the weekly chart 
And it's also the stock's in an uptrend. So it, sums, it is an So uptrend. now it's not the downtrend line that you're really interested in. It's more about what's happening in the trend up. It's starting to move up, but you, you know whether you can get a confirmed one or not. Well, he's not, suggesting it's it. closing below the uptrend line and it's not doing that. So It depends um, if he's talking on... Yeah, well, so he's talking about an uptrend line on a weekly to, chart. to get out, is he? Or? Uh, well, yeah, he's talking about... It's a bit confusing because he's... Like talking about getting in, but it's, it's closing below an uptrend line, which means getting out, which Look, is why Look, I started to learn on... We do, we do teach candlesticks mm. as, you know, and there are important things you need to know about candlesticks. Mm. But one of the things that we teach in the course, and this is always the thing that Dale drummed into my head years ago, was that uh, I'm going to teach you how to learn on a bar chart. So in the beginning, I, I would have my screen with four charts. I'd have candlesticks, bar charts, you name it, swing charts, all on the same screen. But mm. I ended up getting rid of all that. Now I just read the bar chart. So it just makes your life so much simpler when you're learning to trade by mm. doing that. We will still teach you the swing chart and the candlestick chart, but I can tell you it's going to make it so much faster for you to get to where you want to go. Mm. That's what it did for me. So... Um, this stock, let's get back. So yeah, if he's so, looking to buy it So right if he's now, looking to buy I would say, look, this week's down. Hmm? It's not to say that it's not going to keep rising. It may do. But right now, if you weren't already in it, then I wouldn't be buying it from a weekly perspective. If you were looking well, at it... saying I'm liking it if it closes above $4. Now, to me... Mm. Well, see, if I was looking at the monthly chart, I yeah. think I've got a different perspective on it because yeah. you're looking more longer term on this time frame. So it actually looks good from a long-term perspective. And I agree with what he's saying. Like I do like the, this stock, mm. but I'm not sure his entry rules and strategies are perfect yet. Yeah, they're, because they're, they're not they're perfected. He needs a bit. He needs someone you know yeah. tough like you know you or me to oversee what he's doing. And Probably then me. I'm always one getting, I'm shape. always too tough. I got yelled at by a student <laughs> the other day saying I was too tough. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I bet that that student's going to turn out to be one of the best traders. Oh, they so, will be. They will so, be. So looking way. at this, you can see there across there's some resistance across mm. there. So I think he's got the right idea of waiting to see it get through past resistance. So yep. it's just a question of fine-tuning that level, that's all. Mm. Mm. Oh, fantastic. So, but as I said, I do like Vocus mm. as a stock. I think it's got good potential. Um, I just think that we need a bit of work on those rules and everything else at the moment. Okay. So that's what I'm thinking of. Yep. Um, we've got one more question from Kathy. Kathy's asking us, hey, guys, this is a good one. Look, it's nice and short. We love those. I like that. Kathy's asking to... Please look at Blackmores and Telstra. We've looked at Telstra already, so let's look at Blackmores and have a good look. Okay. So I like how you just kept all the questions to yourself and you put them on your side of the desk so I couldn't grab one off you. I know. I wanted to control the situation. Okay. You know what I think? That conversation you had with me before the show, I trust you and what you're doing and everything, I, I think that just went out the window. I, I just I just think, you know, when I did the thumbs up and yeah. I did the, the sound, I think I should just use the Netflix sound from now on. Boom, boom. Yeah, I'm going to record you mm. making that sound. Okay, thanks, boom, boom. thanks. Make sure you get a copy of that for me. All right. Now, looking at Blackmores, you can see their long-term decline on the stock all the way into the low there. In now, that's uh, March 2020. We can see that's probably the lowest point, is it? Let's have a double check. So, what have we got? A low 59.84, mm. and a low here of 60.05. So, this is our low here. Now, the stock's actually hit that. Now, what's your name for this when that occurs? Dead cat. <laughs> yeah, a dead cat bounce? No, <laughs> no, definitely not. That'll just hurt my ears. Okay, so potentially it's called a dead cat bounce where you've got these bottoms in here. So what can often happen? This can be what occurs at the end of a long-term decline. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that the stock's not going to go lower, but mm. this is what we were talking about with Telstra. If it can find support around the low but not take it out, that's a really positive thing. So if we can see a strong move up on Blackmores, we might actually get 
um, it heading back into an uptrend over time. So this is sort of what we're talking about with Telstra, but mm. on a bigger scale with Telstra, yeah. over a longer period of time between the first low and the second one was a bigger period of time. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But sort of on the same lines, if it does start to find some support and get above these sorts of levels through here, then it could be a nice long-term uptrend on this one. Mm. You know, and our vitamin, Blackmores is selling into China and everything else, and our, our food and our vitamins, China does like it, even though they keep arguing about tariffs Yeah, I think Blackmores is great. It's a shame that they're, mm. they actually have, I think Blackmores have a, um, a, a range called bioceuticals. Don't correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but, but if that's the case, if I got told this correctly by the lady at the health um, mm. shop, then They've got some gr a great range of products because they go into products that they I do. didn't even realise that no, they went into. they've got some really, really good mm. products. And they're high-quality products too. So um, I want a question for everybody else. That's what I want to do. So now we're coming up, we're coming in next week. We're the first week of November. It's two, it's two months to the end of the year. Let's make the end of 2020 a big one. What I want to do is everybody to get your keyboards out. Get your fingers on your keyboard and go down below and type in the, the comment section. We want to cover a couple of things before the end of the year with subjects that you want us to talk about. So question is, is what do you want us to cover? What subjects that you want Janine and I to cover over the next two months before the end of the year? And also probably the other part question or part two of my question is, what do you feel that you need to really improve your investing and trading. And that's probably gonna help you answer about the subject there. So stick that down below right now. Give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel and tell everybody that you love Janine. Deal? <laughs> yep. Okay. Okay, <laughs> unfortunately we've come to the end of tonight's show. So we hope that you've enjoyed the discussion and thank you for participating. And remember, your questions are important, so don't let them go unanswered. Also, if you have a topic that you'd like us to discuss, as um, this lovely man on the right just said, then we will look after your questions and we want to answer them. But just make sure that you get them in before um, 3 p.m. on the day of the show. If you put them in after that, then they'll, they, that night after the show, then they could go into the next show. Is that right? Oh, they're going to go in the bin. But I thought if they sent them in that night... No, because they have been giving it to... Uh, okay, so you've got to get them in before 3 p.m. Get them in before 3 p.m. Now, remember to hit the subscribe button and like our video. And also remember to share the video of tonight's show on your social media with your friends and colleagues so you can help them in being informed as well. And as the participation grows, we can deliver you more interesting and informative topics. So we're working pretty hard on that. Also, remember to put the show on your calendar as we'll be right back here on YouTube Live every Tuesday, 7 to 8 p.m. And also on Facebook. Now, if you'd like to have your question answered on the show, either send your question in an email. And remember, um, the video questions actually have priority. You didn't say that he was a good, Rob was a good looking guy. He's got Rob, awesome hair. I've already said that. That's the second time he's, he's put lucky a video he, question. He's actually got hair. He's like, got... <laughs> I didn't want to say it. You can e um, email us at info at wealthwithin.com.au and type Wealth Within Live in the, in the subject line. And you just do this before Tuesdays, as I said, 3 p.m. to get into that night's show. Janine, I think it's about time we left because we really hope everyone enjoyed tonight's show as much as we have bringing it to. And as always, thank you for joining us and we hope to see you again next week. For now, goodbye, good luck and good trading. Good night, everyone. And you know the funny thing? I'm not the yes. only one who bursts yeah, out laughing, laughing during the show. Yeah. I, I saw some of the ABC reporters doing the same Did thing. You? Okay. So we're, they're real people on so that show. So we're serious reporters, that's what you're saying. <laughs> we good are. night, everybody. Good night. Bye. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au.
www.learningcentre.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.